Welcome. Thank you for tuning in again to the LEAP podcast. This is Tammy Tran and Tammy Bui, your co-host. LEAP stands for Leadership Education for Asian Pacifics, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to developing people, informing society, and empowering communities. In this episode, we talked to Melanie Ramil, a Filipino-American woman who participated in LEAP's Leadership in Action summer internship program as a student in 2005. She now runs Emerge California, an organization committed to getting women into elected office. You can't be what you can't see. What is unique to women that make it especially important to empower one another, particularly in a field dominated by men? So Tammy, what stood out to you in this podcast with Melanie? Well, I think it was amazing to learn that she knew you early, um, earlier than I did. I mean, I recently met Melanie through, through her role um, with Emerge California. And it's just amazing to, to, to learn how connected we are, through the, whether it was through LEAP or through our work in the community. So Tammy, I have to laugh because you're always amazed, but I always think it's because we're all connected th- to you, Tammy Tran. <laughs> so well, I don't know if that's true, but... <laughs> but the other thing I would say is it was so special to me. And we talked about this in the episode, the reminder of how you can impact one another and how amazing it is to share how somebody can do that for somebody else, right? So Melanie and I had known each other when we were in Sacramento, and it's years later, and we could pick up the conversation, and we can see how the impact of helping one another back then has roots and has foundation to this commitment that we can all do that for one another as women, and particularly as women of color, and how meaningful that can be. So that really stood out to me. And it's amazing to hear um, that connection that you had many years ago and your surprise that 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 was something that was very significant to Melanie. I was also struck by the by how she shared about her personal upbringing, how she grew up and, the you know, the conversations that she had with her parents about the work that she was doing. And so in this episode, we'll hear more details about that and how she grew um, over time and how her, you know, her family came along with her when initially they weren't supportive necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And I would also say it's so beautiful to me to see a woman who really feels like she's stepping into her purpose, right? So I think in another episode, uh, we talk about stepping into your purpose. And I feel like this is somebody who has been consistently kind and energetic and positive, right? She's like literally a ray of sunshine. And now she can be that cheerleader, a smart and bright and um, enthusiastic and passionate and strong cheerleader for other women to be in positions of power, right? So she's channeling it in the direction that she always had. Uh, So I think that's amazing. And that came across so clearly in our conversation with her is the enthusiasm that she has for helping women run for office and to win. And that kind of impact is so important because it's not only the women or the people that get elected to office, but the support that they have behind them. And that's another team of leaders that are, are supporting them, whether it is the mechanics of running for office or really just promoting, you know, your confidence and introducing to a new network they, they didn't necessarily have before.
So welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much. I am so, so excited to be here with you both. Both of you have been part of my journey, kind of the beginning of my journey in politics, and then now more recently with Tammy Tran. So I couldn't be happier to be here. And Melanie, um, we're, we're so happy to have you too. And I think you actually predate, um, I mean, predate me in terms of my um, my involvement with LEAP. Um, you were an intern for the Leadership and Action Program, I believe in 2005. Yes, I was one of the summer interns that year. Can you tell us a little bit about that program, what it is? And, and then how did you happen to find out about that program while you were a student? Oh my gosh, my heart is so happy talking about LEAP. I just have to tell you both that. LEAP really is the reason why I am here today doing the work that I am doing. I was a summer intern for their Leadership in Action summer program. And what that summer program did was it was a group of, I think, recent college graduates that got together. Um, we would chat talk uh, with speakers about uh, different career um, pathways and workshops, and then they placed us with nonprofits in the LA area. I did that internship because I was new in discovering myself as a Filipina American and really embracing being part of the community. And so I really wanted to be in a space and start my career in a way that I was giving back. And so I thought the internship was a perfect way to do that. So I moved down to L LA for a summer mm -hmm. and I was placed with Philam Arts, which is a nonprofit organization in LA that brings the Filipino community together. And I was placed with a leap and was just um, exposed to this group of amazing um, fellow API advocates and activists at that time. And that summer just changed my whole trajectory in what I wanted to do and how I saw myself as an activist and advocate for our community. So Melanie, you have to connect the dots because you know I was an intern at LEAP also, and then I had the luxury of meeting you in Sacramento. So, so, so connect us back. So when we met, was that after your internship when you started working? working in the building. Tell us a little bit more about what happened after LEAP. Tammy, yes. So the reason why I was at the Capitol when we met was I was an intern for the Asian Pacific Islander Legislative Caucus. Now, I had graduated from college and of course my parents were telling me, find a job, what are you doing? <laughs> you just graduated. Why aren't you working and getting paid? So after I did the internship, um, the summer of 2005, after I graduated from college, I found an internship with the Asian Pacific Islander Legislative Caucus, and LEAP was the reason why. While I was at LEAP that summer, they gave us books um, called Asian American Dreams by Helen Zia. And it was a history of Asian American activism, how our community has grown to build the political voice that we have today. Reading that, I was a sponge. I just wanted to learn so much about my community. Growing up, my dad called me a coconut, brown on the outside, white on the inside, because I was trying to be like all my classmates. So I was just in a huge moment of just trying to soak it all in. But I had just found my Filipino American identity. So I'm like, okay, tell me everything. What does this history look like? And one of the organizations that Helen Zia wrote about in her book was the JACL, the Japanese American Citizens League. And I just thought, yes, this is the type of work that I want to be doing. These are the communities that I want to be around. I got on their email list 
And it was because of their email list that I saw the posting for the internship with the API Legislative Caucus. If I had not been with Leap, if I did not read that book, if I did not sign up for JACL, I would not be here talking to that you That is today. so wild, Melanie. Who, like, who would imagine? That tells, that reminds us that there are no accidents, right, Melanie? And it's no accident that all, all of us are connected here again today. Tell us a little bit more about growing up, if you can, um, because Tammy, Tran, and I both can relate to parents who have expectations of us, right? Particularly as a Asian American women and with parents who may not understand why on earth we would go into politics or into nonprofit work that literally translates to no money, right? Like in Vietnamese, I don't, in Vietnamese, it translates to no money, no profit. So tell, right? So tell us about what that journey looked like for you. And as you were being the sponge and developing your identity, um, how did you, yeah, how did you come into what you're doing now to give us a glimpse of like what that looked like for you? Yeah, of course. And I just shared, you know, I, I, with my group of friends, I, they always say embrace your former coconut. Cause I'm like, okay, that's my upbringing. I grew up in Livermore. Uh, California is predominantly a white community. The only other Filipinos that I knew growing up were my cousins, literally at Livermore high school. And so the, I didn't have a strong Filipino community beyond my family. And so growing up, I tried to be like my classmates, like my friends. When I got to college, my dad had always just been telling me, connect with the Filipino community, learn more about your culture. And so when I was at UC Berkeley, I remember taking a student-run course. It was only two units. It was one of those fillers that you do to uh, make sure your college schedule is full. And it was called Filipino American Contemporary Issues. I sat in that classroom. I cried every single day because I was around Filipinos who I was not related to. I was connecting with them and I was learning my Filipino history. I never had learned it before. And I was able to plot my family and our history along what I was learning in that bigger picture. And I was so moved by that that I said, okay, I found it. I was the most ambitious lost person in college, I felt. Like, okay, I wanna be something great and I wanna do good at it, but I don't know what that is. I wanna make change, I wanna be part of things bigger than me, but how do I do that? What does that look like? Once I was in that class, it felt like I clicked. I found my place, I found my home. I wanna work within the API community. I wanna do work, I wanna be an activist. As I was graduating from college and I went to LEAP, went to LA, my parents were questioning nonprofit, as you say. <laughs> Are you gonna be making money in a nonprofit world? What does it look like around you know, delivering direct social services? When I got to the Capitol, it was really always explaining along the way what each position was. My parents have always been supportive, but it was kind of sitting down and saying, Okay, mom, an assembly member is this. Okay, you want to tell your friends what I do? Here's an easy way to share it because they really wanted to share about my work. And so they're, they've always been supportive. It's just really been kind of sitting with them saying, I want to be in a place that I am so passionate about. I don't want to just work. And I've always felt really blessed to do that because I've had so much support in, in just making sure that I can be in that place. Um, and and that's why that's why I'm here. 
And Melanie, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think for all of us, we've, 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 um, you know, found our community and our home within the larger API community. I know for me, I grew up, a, a, you know, in a, a very predominant Vietnamese American community, just like Tammy Bowie does in Little Saigon. But as we, you know, m- met other people, we were part of this larger API community. But Melanie, the work that you've been doing isn't just to the benefit of our Asian Pacific Islander communities. I mean, you've had a, you've had a greater impact impact. And, and particularly, I'd love to hear more about the impact that you've made on our political, you know, our the political process and, and representation in government. Um, with Emerge California, which is an organization that's really dedicated to training and, and getting women elected to office. Um, that's, that's huge. Can you can you share about that? Yeah, of course. I, I just want to say first, though, I am working my dream job. My ultimate dream job right now, Emerge California, we're the premier candidate training program for Democratic women who want to run for office and lead in office. And the work that I get to do, I really feel like we're part of a movement. And that's making sure that our government is reflective of who we are, that the voices and experiences, the hardships that our communities face, they're represented in government so that our government does not have blind spots to what our issues are. And so every year now, I get to be part of a program and movement that brings women forward who never saw themselves in elected office, that were like, I don't look like people who have served, but you know, I'm, I'm a refugee. My parents are immigrants. Um, and they get to bring those experiences now to the elected space. I get to do that work as executive director. And the thing that I love most is how intentional we are about who we recruit. And this year, I'll tell you, our class of 2021, they're actually training right now. Um, And they are one of the most diverse classes we've ever had. And one example I love to give is we started doing a recruitment that was very intentional. Last summer, we did uh, recruitment to make sure more uh, Native American women, more indigenous women were running for office. We now have the most indigenous women represented in this year's class. What that means is that there will be more indigenous women whose voices are gonna be um, in government, who can bring those communities issues forward. And for me, it all started with wanting to make sure that our voices as Asian American community was at the table. There still hasn't been a Filipino American woman in the state legislature. I know that as a Filipina. And starting to learn when I was an intern and met Tammy Bowie uh, so many years ago, really watching floor session and just watching the votes and seeing how much power these people had to make decisions over us as Californians, 40 million people, was so powerful to me. And then to know who was making those decisions brought to light who was not there. And so in so many ways, I've tried to put myself in places where the Asian American voice is in government, whether that's a staffer, whether that's people um, in the building running for office as a staffer, even as a lobbyist, campaign managers, we need representation across the board. That's the only way that we're going to see change in our politics. Melanie, you are so amazing. And I I think back on what you said earlier about how you are the most ambitious lost person you ever met. And I feel like, look where you are now, 
clearly you have found what you see as your calling. I'm curious if you could talk about if, if you were to talk to um, others who may be figuring out what that is, Melanie, and even the women you're training now, right? Sometimes we don't know exactly what that looks like. Tell me maybe or tell all of us maybe what you see that is special for women that you want women to know that we that that we need to believe in ourselves like what is it that you see that we particularly need to hear when when and if we are feeling lost the way that you articulated earlier that question i would say first because you know my my brain is now in the political space is that our voices need to be there and our experiences need to be represented in that place. I think there's a conversation a lot around qualified. Who is qualified to be in these spaces? Who should be in these spaces? Besides what's legally on paper around how old you are and, and what you need to run for office, there's no set of qualifications for elected office. If you have the drive to lead, if you have the community in your heart, if you have a vision, if you truly believe that you're the best person to be serving your community, you are qualified, period. And I think that a lot of the times women don't get tapped on the shoulder to say, hey, you should run for office. And I think then we start to internalize not being asked in the way that we see others being asked to step up and run. I would say, too, more broadly, I think I've been I was always the kid that wanted to do good in the world. I um, I remember sitting down when I was really young. I wanted to create a happiness club where we would like leave like a flower on someone's car or a note to make their day. Or, you know, I love paying for people at the toll booths and like trying to drive away really fast so they wouldn't see me. It's just it's been in my blood. And I've always just looked up to these huge leaders that gave their life for others and to make the world better. As, I guess as cheesy or idealistic as that sounds. I always wanted to be in a movement bigger than me. I, the trouble was in college when I felt lost, I didn't know what vehicle that was. And the reason why I think I never considered politics and policy, I was at UC Berkeley, like the, the hub of activism and policy politics. And I didn't even think of politics until after graduation. And I really believe it's, I never saw anyone who looked like me. I didn't know anyone who was serving in that space. So I think the more we continue to build that world, tell others that yes, this space is for you, secret, even though it wasn't built for us and we've people have actively tried to keep us out, that place is for us. Our voices should be there because those policies touch every one of us. And I think... Those of us who've worked in around the world know that, and especially over the last year through this pandemic, every single one of us has felt that in so many different ways. Melanie, what do you think is unique to women that makes it especially important for us to um, support each other? You know, women running for office, they can't do it alone, right? And not all of us are going to be running for office. So what can we all do to help support more women in decision-making positions, not only in politics, but in other roles? You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot at Emerge California, and one thing that we're known for is the sisterhood. That's what we call it. And the thing I love about the Emerge California sisterhood is that it works in so many magical ways. It is not just a place of support to say, hey, I've had the worst Hardest day on my campaign, can someone call me? On Facebook, you'll see a flood of phone numbers in response. It's also tangible, like, hey, I saw you got that endorsement. How can I get that endorsement? So I think it goes back that the first thing that comes to my mind, Tammy, was 
politics, I really believe, is not a world that was built for us to participate. I mean, it took 100 years for only a segment of women population to vote. And we're still working from that place. And so I think that what happens when women uplift one another is that we get to break those barriers. I think, you know, obviously Kamala Harris just came to mind, <laughs> someone who I had the pleasure and real honor of working for. But it started a long time ago, her journey. She didn't just come from a place. She's been surrounded by fierce, amazing women around her um, who continue to uplift her along the way. So whether that's corporate boards, being a staff or campaign manager in this place, um, in the private sector, we, we still are not represented to the point. So it takes all of us uplifting one another to learn the secrets, to kind of break the code so that we can change the culture of what that Melanie, looks like. Melanie, I will share with you that I feel like one of the things I have been blessed with are women like you and Tammy who believe in me, who, while we may not talk all the time, Melanie, I don't know if you remember this, we were on, so I don't know if Tammy Tran knows this, we were on a board, Tammy Tran, called APICA, Asia Pacific Islander Capital Association. It was at the legislature and it was meant so that we could support each other as staffers, but also so that we can move up into positions of chiefs of staff and other roles outside in the third house and so on and so forth. And Melanie is completely the person she said. She was on our board and we needed a place for our retreat and she volunteered. And I remember we got to stay in your auntie's cabin, I think. Um, and we all met there and, and got together and to talk about what we we're going to do and how we we're going to change the capital and, and all of that. But um, where I was going with this is I do think it's really important to have people to lean on, Melanie. And I wonder for you, especially other women, perhaps, who have those been for you? Who's been like those ride or die women who have been there to support and uplift you so that you can support others? Because I can hear it in your voice and I feel like you have had it from somewhere. I just want to know where who have been those women for you? Oh my gosh, I love this question. And now I'm just thinking like, we don't have enough time to talk about all the amazing women who've helped me in the political space. Tammy Bowie, you are the first. Let me just tell you, I got to meet Tammy Bowie as an intern. And in the Capitol, you have coffees with people, you kind of hear their stories, hear their journeys. And as I was an intern, for some reason, I was not thinking about my next job or my next place. It finally dawned on me that a job that I was interested in, I could be the one to go for it. Tammy Bowie, you were the first person I called to ask if I could be that person to apply. And you were so encouraging. I, I don't want to cry. I remember where I was. I was driving my car at that time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so nervous, but I'm going to call Tammy Bowie. I'm going to ask her her thoughts about me applying to be a field representative for then Sacramento assembly member, Dave Jones, and see what she says. And you said to go for it. You were so encouraging. So I just want to say that because I get to talk to you right now and tell you that you were the first person. I actually never to even knew me that, Melanie. But isn't that world. amazing then, right? When you think about um, <laughs> one, being able to personally thank people mm -hmm. who have made the difference, but so many people that you never get to thank, but have that kind of impact mm -hmm. on you. So thank you for sharing, Melanie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we, I, I got to say that to you right now. 
I'm going to share too. There's two women who have been mentors throughout my career as well. And at every hard turn, I have turned to them. That is Mona Pascal, who was uh, Governor Brown's former appointment secretary. I know probably so many people say Mona is their mentor. She's a Filipina, amazing woman in politics and always, always works to uplift people. And Maylee Tom, who is one of our godmothers in the Capitol. At every turn, I've gone to Mona at every tough decision. And I will say that happened as recently as two weeks ago, where I had an opportunity come my way and I talked with her about it. She's always presented me opportunities as well. The other person, Maylee Tom, I, I think it's such an honor to sit with her. She's one, she was one of the first API women who worked in the Capitol building. And I would love to tell you something she told me because it, it has just sat with me for so long. A few years ago, as I started to be in more managerial positions in my career, we had lunch and she said, you know, Melanie, I see you rising in your career. I see you doing great work. I want you to remember, though, the higher you go, the more people want to take you down. And I was shocked. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nice. I love everyone. Why would anyone want to do that? That sounds awful. And I just kind of I didn't shrug it off, but I just it really sat with me. It started to happen over the next year and it wasn't easy, but to have a woman mentor, a, a fellow API woman say that to me and say, Hey, it'll be okay. And this is how you deal with it. That's, that's women uplifting women is saying, Hey, this is this space. These are the hard things that you're going to have to deal with. And this is how to overcome and you're going to be okay. And you know, when we talk to Emerge California women, Obviously, you know, buzzword self-care. We've kind of scratched that actually with my team and we now call it community care. Like this is too much for me to handle on my own. So we've really created a culture around like, hey, if I need something, if I need a moment away, if I need to recognize that we're still living in pandemic, we're still living in hard times, that we can do that. So I think it's just like continuing that conversation around um, what you may need and recognizing that we're not going to be able to give and support community and realize our vision in office or whatever work we're doing if we're coming from an empty place. Um, so it's, it's a conversation and culture piece that my team and I really hone in on. Um, and th that's really important to me because I care about burnout. Um, I, I talked about Phil M arts was the first nonprofit, um, experience I had in the API community. And I'll never forget my mentor. She sat with me my last day at Phil M arts and said, you know, I want you to remember that every time you accomplish something big or kind of finish something big to go congratulate yourself, to go thank yourself because no one's going to do it for you. And this work is never ending. The work that we want to do to like end poverty, change the world, change the face of elected office, it never ends. So since then, people laugh because of what my celebration is. But every time I finish something big, I go to IHOP. I eat pancakes by myself and then I journal like, hey, I just did this huge thing. I'm going to give myself props and then I'm going to say, am I ready for the next thing? This is what I went through. This is the space I'm in. Maybe I need a, more of a moment, but that will set me to my next my next space and say, I am ready to take on the next challenge and recognize that there's an end to that moment. Melanie, I think what you said there captures the spirit of um, how you're super dynamic and super laser focused. Like I would not mess with Melanie at all. Right. But Melanie is super nice. 
and super genuine and super humble. And so I think that it's also part of the conversation we had today, which is like these multiple, you can be these multiple complex, like we have these parts of ourselves. So I I just wanted to recognize that because I was like, that example clearly shows who you are. So I don't, I I love this because I felt like I got to know Melanie in ways that like I, I hadn't before. So I, I just really appreciate that do that so yourself. So based on what you shared about how Tammy had that, you know, really critical conversation with you while you were in your car, um, you know, how do, how do you pay that forward? How are, can you share with us how you're paying that forward right today? And I, I know you're already doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, of course. I, you know, when I think of mentorship and, and I see myself as I have stood on the shoulders and continue to of amazing women before me and who continue to support me. And I want to make sure that that just continues to, we continue to pay it forward. And so, because I think of Tammy Bowie, Mona Pascal, Maylee Tom, who have never said no to a chat with me at every turn, I have never said no to a request to chat. And so I just want to be in that space and tell a woman that she can do it, that she can be here, especially as we talk about wanting to uplift fellow API women in this space, because I really believe that we have not yet fully stepped into our political power as API women. And so I'd love to share just a conversation. There's a young Filipina I met um, right when I started as executive director to Merge California a few years ago. And she called me Ate Melanie, which first like melted my heart because Ate in Tagalog is something you say out of respect for an older sister. So only my younger brother and this woman called me Ate Melanie. And so she just like tugs at my heartstrings. And she said, can you be my mentor? I've, I've been thinking about running for office, but I'm so nervous. And we recently reconnected. And I just said, never think I'm too busy. Always reach out. Always call me. And one question she asked me was, Ate Melanie, am I too nice for politics? And we had that discussion because I've had that question in my mind, but it just shows that as you as you chat with people, as you are mentor or mentee, or you know, we're just supporting each other uh, as women in this space, that we've all gone through those questions or hard moments or insecurities. And I think that's what I want to be there for is to say, hey. Who cares if politics used to look like this? I can be nice and respectful to people and still be successful in politics. And so can you be who you are, be in this place, take up space and know the reason you're here is because you want to make change and what you bring is so unique. And so being able to share that with her is um, it really feels full circle to me, too, because she looks up to me as a Filipina. And when I was young. I was so insecure to even identify with my Filipina identity. Um, And so it's so meaningful to me in different ways. Identity is so important. I, 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 I think back to what you shared with us about how you were part of the LEAP program and the coconut. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I, you know, some of us can see ourselves as bananas too or not, um, not fully ripen. But um, can you share a little bit about, um, about how it sounds like you've taken a leap you know, in many different respects, right? I mean, you're the most most ambitious lost person. (laughs) um, And and so what's next for you? I say you have a dream job that you're doing now, but share with us what you what's next for you. (laughs) 
Thanks, Tammy. So I have to share, when I say I'm in my dream job, I think even though I've loved so much of my career, there was always a next in my head. Like, okay, here, I think I might do this next. Or I love 99% of my job, and if I can change 1% of it, this is what I'd like to do. This is really unique. I've never been in a place where today I'm like, I wouldn't change anything about my job. I love every aspect of what I'm doing today. Um, my team of women is amazing. I get to be surrounded by women who want to change the world on a daily basis. And I can't tell you personally, I know that sounds like a line from an executive director, but last year during a really hard year, my Facebook feed wasn't doom scrolling. It was like hope scrolling. Because my feed is Emerge California Women, and now I'm friends with hundreds of them who have gone through our program over the last 20 years. And it's just women protesting, fighting for Black Lives Matter. It's women giving out food to uh, school children when the schools closed. It is just women out there putting the community before them to make sure that they're, they're leading in ways that they want to see the world lead and take care of each other. Um, and so, like I said, I, 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 there was an opportunity that came before me um, recently, and I just thought, I can't leave this space right now because every year I get to meet a woman, recruit her to Emerge California, train her, and then now I get to watch her get elected and then make change in office. I get to see that today, and with some of our women who I got to meet for the class of 2020, which was my first full class that I recruited, trained, and supported while they were running. In a pandemic. And in a <laughs> pandemic. Thank you, Tammy. <laughs> During a pandemic. They're, they were elected, and now they're serving in elected office. Two of them are mayors from our last class. And that feeling that you're part of their story and part of their journey, I, I really couldn't ask for more. And I was just going to add, you know, when Melanie speaks, it reminds me of, again, Melanie have not, Melanie have not seen or talked to each other in a while, but when, when Melanie is speaking today, I feel like she's the same Melanie with the same heart and exuberance, just in a much more self-assured form, really. And I, I guess what I was going to say is when you speak, it reminds me that we don't have to choose between a job, right? Sometimes I think when I look back at like our conversation about our Thank parents you, talking Tammy. about making money, I think we have the privilege now of looking at it from a different lens. It's not, let's do a job where it makes you money, but then on the side, do something that we really care about, right? I feel like what Melanie has found is this journey of what she is really fantastic about in terms of motivating other people and shining a light on other people because she's that light herself, but doing and making a living out of it. So I guess what I would love to know, Melanie, is how do you encourage others, especially younger women, to, to not have to make this either or choice, right? It's not a choice of let, let me let me be an artist, but be worried that I may, might not make enough or let me be an activist on the weekends, um, but not find a career in it. So what would you say to that, Melanie? What, what, what should we be thinking about? And let me just say a lot of those alumni are here in Orange County. So I am so proud to see Emerge California really make a difference um, in getting women elected in my hometown of Orange County. 
Uh, Melanie, it sounds like you're walk, walking your purpose. Um, Tammy, I, I, this is a callback to Tammy Tumbling, who's another guest on our show, how she works the, in the philanthropy space, but, you know, and, and she's a little bit, you know, advanced and um, she's ahead of us in our careers. But for you to be so young and walking your purpose, I mean, that's amazing, Melanie. Thanks so much, Tammy. And just to your first comment, thank you. That means a lot to me. One of the things that I learned and that was really emphasized at Emerge California, I love the culture. I've already gained so much just watching the training and getting to know our space is we really focus on embracing, owning and projecting your authentic self. So I'm naturally pretty happy and bubbly. I talk fast and I get really excited. And as I got older or moved into the professional world, there was different hints about toning it down of like, hey, you're too happy, you're too this. And I started to tone myself down in different ways along the way. When I got to Emerge California, mm -hmm. and I went through the trainings with our program members, and saying, your authentic self is your most electable. It's the place where people connect with you the most. I thought, you mm -hmm. know what, heck with that. I'm going to bring my full, excited, exuberant self to all my spaces because that's the only way I know how to be. And so, Tammy, that means so much to me that you said that because I've had to learn how to re-embrace that part of myself that is just natural. I often hear when I talk, especially to folks who are graduating college, you know, like, how do I find a job where I can make money um, so that I'm not I'm not seeming like I wasted this these years of my my life, uh, particularly for uh, sacrifices that my parents have made. So I got to this point. Right. Um, but then I really care about such and such. So how do I how do I get there? So I'm getting to that question of is it a choice? Was it a choice for you? What would you say to folks who may be in that position trying to navigate between what they may feel? feel passionate about, but worrying that it might not be enough to um, be able to call it a career or one that others would accept. Yeah, of course. And, and I've talked to so many who mm. I get to chat with or mentor as, we, as we're talking about, and whether that's at the beginning of someone's career or during their career and they're, they're weighing different career options and different pathways. The thing that I say, because I, I nerd out with my journal, you know, I do a lot of thinking about my career, mm -hmm. where I want to be. And I just say, what are your priorities? What do you want your most of your waking life to look like? And that's really what the place where I came from. I just saw something, of course, I'm an Oprah mm -hmm. fan. And I just saw something a long time ago that we are at our jobs most of our waking lives. So what does that look like for you? So while I was an ambitious lost soul, I still knew that I wanted to make change. I knew that I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. I knew that I wanted to be around people who cared about others. I knew that I wanted to be around people, period. And then my skills. I knew that I was like the super organizer that did color-coded Excel sheets and bullet-pointed lists. So how could I take those strains into a space? And while it didn't dawn on me until after college graduation, I got to take all that and it became politics for me. And I got to take that love for people, the idea that I get to make change and be part of something bigger than myself. So that's the thing I think about and I share when people are coming to me for guidance is sit down. What are your priorities? If you do have a priority about um, making a certain amount of money or living a certain level of life or having a job that is flexible where you get to decide your own schedule, 
what are all those and see how you can um, really pay mind to them and be respectful of them as you're looking for, for your next place. Melanie, um, I have to ask just because it's 2021 and we have a woman in the White House and you used to work for her, um, our, our MVP, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris. So how did that happen? How did you end up working for, um, for uh, you know, our Madam Vice President? And, um, you know, maybe you can share a little story about her that, you know, most people don't know, but we'll have to tune into this podcast to hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Um, also, I don't know if there will ever be a date when I don't want to Yelp with glee to hear Madam Vice President Kamala Harris. I still get butterflies. My heart still gets super excited when we get to say that. And I still have a little bit of that surreal bump to really know and see her in that position. Um, I started working for her because of a woman. Because a woman thought of me for a position for her. Two women, actually. Um, so I was a lifer with a former insurance commissioner, Dave Jones. I worked for him for over 11 years, which both of you know well. And staffer years, I call that like 33 dog staffer years because to stay with the one elected official for that long is actually a pretty long amount of time. With him, I was on the state side and I also ran a number of campaigns for him. And so they saw my work um, with the California Democratic Party and working him to get the endorsement. And so when Kamala was running for the United States Senate, they reached out to Shonda Wesley, who was the executive director of the California Democratic Party at the time, and said, hey, who can we bring on our team to get the endorsement for Kamala? And she recommended me. And it was the, one of the best decisions I ever made. And I'll tell you, working for Kamala, I think that no matter who you work for in your first job, there's a little bit of like first job perspective, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you work for them, you're still like the young kid on the block, the young kid in the crew. And so working for Kamala was the only second boss I had in my career at that time. And they looked to me, she looked to me for advice and guidance and trusted me on her political campaign and not feeling that sense was so empowering. I guess the story that I get to share in working for her is I wrote a memo for her about how she was going to win the California Democratic Party endorsement. And, you know, there was a part where I did a SWOT analysis, like super nerds, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I was kind of nervous, like, oh, do I want to tell the attorney general her weaknesses and the threats in this memo of, you know, what we could face and getting her the party endorsement? But I was like, you know what? They trust me. I got to bring some information their way. So I had a meeting with her. There was just a few of us in the room. I presented this memo. And she looks at me afterwards and says, can I stand up and clap at your memo? <laughs> To hear that from our attorney general at the time, just I'll never forget that that moment. And so I was like, OK, y'all always do a SWOT analysis in your memos because Kamala Harris loved it and it worked. Um, and then I had the opportunity. I We were successful. Um, she really loved what we did with the team and the campaign. And so I got to serve as her deputy state director her first year in the United States Senate because of another woman who continued to lift me up and say, hey, you got to hire Melanie on your state team. 
That is so awesome, Melanie. And now we now we all can say that you were somebody that she said to give an ova- standing ovation to. So we can do that here too. So if, if, if Madam Vice President gave you a proposal, <laughs> we can certainly do that here. <laughs> I, I was just going to maybe um, question, but I wanted to make sure that we asked Melanie a question about when Melanie has taken a leap of faith in herself in something that maybe you were unsure about. So for example, you talked about being nervous, right? For a new boss or being nervous when you take on a new role and not being sure a hundred percent if you've got this, but you've had other women who helped get you there. So you probably told yourself like, I better, I better have got this right because I owe it to them. But I'm curious, Melanie, what other times have you taken leaps of faith or do you have one coming up that you can share with us about um, that, that, yeah, t- 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 give us a little bit of um, insight into when you may have taken a last leap of faith or, or a, 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 an upcoming one. Yeah, of course. Can I just share an early one is actually getting the internship with the API Legislative Caucus was my first position. And that was in 2005. I was living in the Bay Area. I thought I was going to live in Berkeley, hang out on a Vespa scooter that I would one day buy and like go to the farmer's market, be super Berkeley. But when I got the opportunity to be an intern at the caucus, I Googled caucus because I had no idea what the heck the Asian Pacific Islander Legislative Caucus was, and I had never looked at any websites around the Capitol. I moved to Sacramento knowing nobody and with an internship that paid a little bit, and I had no next plans. And so for me, that was a big leap of faith. I had no idea where that would turn. I just knew that when that posting told me that I could advocate for API issues statewide and do work on behalf of my Asian American community. I said yes, and that's all I thought about. I think maybe a hopeful future leap of faith. Um, you know, I believe that Kamala's career is still moving. And so in the future, I'd love to see what she does and see if I can be helpful. Um, I joke a little bit. I have a note when I left her office, I was her state de- deputy state director for about a year. And so, you know, the staff re- wrote a really nice note and then she hand wrote on it and she wrote, this is not a goodbye note. So I thought if I, you know, want to work in maybe in the administration one day, I would the hold reminder, up that note for remember her. This? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vice president, um, yeah, I, I have a note from you that said that was not a goodbye note that maybe I could work for you again. Well, Melanie, I I think what would be nice to close out on is what would you tell your dad today after everything that you've done, you know, since your early days and questioning whether this nonprofit work is going to go anywhere? Oh, my gosh. So my parents, when I had explained the Capitol and assembly members to them, they're now the most some of the most political people I know. They're all about it. They post their pictures that they got to have with Kamala Harris. Um, But my parents have been so supportive. So I'll just say I owned my coconut and fully embraced my Filipina American identity. And even though I fought it for so long, that's the passion that drives me to this day and why I'm here doing this work. 